Martha, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. How's it going? Really good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm, you know, coming to you from my closet, which is the quietest place in my house. And it's like quite peaceful because I was just saying both my children are homesick today. So it's a bit of like a, maybe I'll just stay in here for the rest of the day situation. Productivity, productivity from the closet. Guys, if you're watching this uh, or if you're not watching this, jump on YouTube, check out her array of uh, get-ups. Yeah. This yeah. is my husband's stuff, yeah. you know, and then not my stuff's all down the side. It's we're living the dream with this big closet. <laughs> it's very uh, the flannelette is very Australian. A lot of a lot of Australians wear a flannel. We call it a flannel over here. Well, the, I know there is some discussion about whether it's a flannel or a flanny. Mm. So I don't know, like, I think it might be like a WA thing, maybe, but then other WA people are like, no, absolutely not. We do live on the deep, deep south coast of Western Australia. So you need a bit of warmth. Um, But yeah, like, I'm looking now and like, it's not a great look. This is not how much flannel we actually incorporate (laughs) into our daily lives. (laughs) (laughs) well you're living in australia now so why not uh where Mm. are you from originally um i'm from canada where so i grew up sort of just outside of toronto yeah cool cool awesome Mm -hmm. i've been in toronto um and it's got a good music scene yeah Uh, it's lovely cold though boo yeah boo can't can't deal all right, so let's let's dive straight into the into the goods the value what everybody wants to hear we're going to be talking about copywriting now, you've got two awesome skills, copywriting and SEO. And a lot of people may think they're different. But why, why is it important to have the blended approach in copywriting and SEO? Well, the way I explain it to people is, you know, I obviously approach this from the copywriting side as a copywriter, but I kind of use this very basic explanation of the, you know, the whole purpose of Google is to give people the best possible results for their search. Mm -hmm. And the only way Google can do that is if we make it very, very clear what's happening on each page. So the words that you choose to use in your copy and in your titles, you know, meta descriptions, image names, alt texts are just a way of being like, oi, this is what's going on on this page. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so when we kind of think about it, and it's not as simplistic as that, but from my perspective as a copywriter, it is. Because, you know, if you can identify with the help of an SEO keyword researcher, mm. what is the the term that the people that are looking for this product or service are using? What actual search terms are they using? And like, what is a term that doesn't have 40 billion people using that term and and ranking for that term already? So you want to have sort of something with a reasonable search volume that isn't already like the page one results on Google aren't full with like, you know, big corporations, right? So we're, we're targeting words that it is possible with time and effort by creating good content for your business to rank on page one for that um, word. So copywriting is a really big part of, of SEO kind of in conjunction with somebody who has the magical skill of figuring out which keywords you're supposed to use. Yeah, keywords, good keywords, and then copy that, I guess we can talk about why copy is so important, but 
I believe, and and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and, and please add to this actually, I believe good copy is so important because it's words that are music to the reader's ears and because they are in that space and like, yes, I feel totally understood right now and this is exactly what I need. Mm. Is that your goal with good copy? Yeah, so the goal with good copy is to write copy that's palatable for the human, for the mm-hmm. target audience, and for the algorithm. So what we used to do, and I know you know this, but what we used to do is keyword stuff. So if we were writing a page about <laughs> pineapple mugs, we said the words pineapple mugs 700 times, you know, welcome to the pineapple mug shop where you can get all your pineapple mug needs met. We have pineapple mugs for adults, pineapple mugs for children. And that was sort of how you ranked. And those days are over because, you know, Google and, you know, search engines realized that that was actually interfering with the user experience. Yes. So now what they're looking for is copy that is welcoming, makes the reader, you know, know that they're in the right place and that thing is for them and is also clear, like, why they're there. So that, you know, the thing that that is really difficult for me as a copywriter is sort of when you get to a website and it's, you know, the H1 or like, the, you know, that really main important heading is like, welcome. And it's like, oh, so it's, yeah, you, yeah, using those words as much as you can, as naturally as you can, is the way to go. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's sorry, it. sorry, without without interfering with the enjoyment that the human being will get from reading that thing. Yeah. I want to talk about enjoyment in copy because that really excites me. Uh, even to the point that before we even started hitting the record buttons, we um, you mentioned how important that is uh, in your work. And it's clear when I go to your site how just punchy and awesome it is and I really, I really dig it. A lot of – I think we're in a world now where more now than ever – we're going to be, unfortunately, seeing a lot more content online that isn't enjoyable to read with the rise of this AI thing where people think AI is the answer. And I said to you, it, it just frustrates the hell out of me how much focus is going into AI where people are even distracted in their business and they're, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They don't understand like what they should be continuing to do mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of blogs are going to suffer um, due to this. So, Well, I mean, I think a lot of blogs are going to suffer, but the ones that are good and the ones that, you know, the, the bloggers or the content producers that realize, yes, AI is a very powerful tool. I use AI, but I don't use it to write for me, right? So it's about how you're using it. And I think like a lot of, I mean, a lot of creators like on LinkedIn and stuff are kind of saying, you know, here are the 600 chat GPT prompts that you need. Yeah. But like you, I mean, to get a prompt that gives you anything that's not garbage is a skill, right? So it's, (laughs) it's about like, okay, you're either going to, I always tell people like, if you need to, if you're producing content for your business, you either have to invest your own time or your money 
into that process. Like people just kind of think this is just a thing that happens and it just isn't. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to AI, it's the same. Like you either need to invest your time to actually learn how to use this research tool, this very powerful research tool to make it easier for you, or you need to outsource that to someone else. But I, I really do think that like in a few years, the premium product in terms of copywriting is going to be, you know, that which is written by a person. And, you know, we use those tools as as like a research tool, but then you still need to have copywriting skills to turn that, you know, research, which often isn't even good research into something. Yeah, that's right. Let's, let's, so the research is not good research. It's not fun to consume. If you just have like three, three, you know, clever prompts or whatever, um, it's not fun to consume from AI. And mm. with first, before I bring this up, <clears throat> people need good copy on their site. So people stay on their site, lo site longer and they sell more advertising space, affiliate products, digital products, e-commerce products. It's so important. If you don't have good copy, the better your copy is, the more money you're going to make. So how do you get good copy? Research. Using AI, AI is not your competitor. So using AI as the research is not going to land you the you know people on your site longer and more money and more sales. Mm. You need to speak to with good copywriting from what I've mm -hmm. learned because I've studied a bit of copywriting myself. I love it is mm. you need to speak to people that ideally have bought your product or are on the journey about to buy your product. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So how so how do we how do we get that data? How do we find out what words they're using, what's on the tip of their tongue that we can use for our copy writing? Well, I mean, it's you know, the I've kind of skipped forward to the research part here but you know you're absolutely right like we you need to when you speak with a copywriter they do a full brief mm. they often do voice of customer research where they actually talk to your customers and take the words and the concerns and the you know successes and the solutions straight from their experience and and write those into the copy mm. so i think i guess i should say as a copywriter i do use AI as a research tool, but it's not the only research tool. <laughs> so there's all of the, you know, briefing and talking to the client and doing the voice of customer research and the market research that that copywriters also do. So mm. I probably made it sound simpler than it actually is. You're very right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this is the thing though, like you, if your goal is to chop a tree down, you got six hours. You're going to spend five hours sharpening the axe with copywriting. You, most of the time goes. Are you into bringing this up because of all the flannel? Like I've never chopped down a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to just go get my flannel and, and just chop it on? <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. I had to. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the research is the prep, the preparation, uh, mm. and. The, the the easy bit is is uh, putting the icing on the cake of of writing it out and well I wouldn't say it's easy but that's a that's a bit of an art form really a skill and yeah yeah form. exactly a lot of, uh, most of the time goes into the research right no oh, definitely yeah <laughs> the research and and also understanding you know the purpose of each if you wanted to talk about blogging understanding the purpose of each sort of 
piece of that blog and the Mm. job that it is there to do, and then making the most of each of the tools that you have in a blog to, you know, speak to the client, speak to the algorithm, make sure that we're kind of keeping both of those um, humans or, I don't know, creatures (laughs) on side, right? right? So it's really, I think what a lot of people kind of um, don't realize is that with copywriting, you know, each of your, each little milestone that you can get the reader to get to is like a cause for celebration. So if you've written a headline that's good enough to make a person open that article, great. Mm. But like, you've only now gotten them to read that first thing. So Mm -hmm. and then the next challenge is let's get them to the bottom of the first paragraph. Mm -hmm. Let's get them, you know, and, and let's, you know, let's understand that when people read content online, they don't start from the very beginning and read every word. And like using subheadings is essential in Mm -hmm. blogging. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that you use those sort of in the smartest way possible is that you write them so that when the person skims the article, which we all do, they can get a sense of what is going on in the article without reading the whole thing. And then they can kind of go, okay, I kind of know what's going to happen here. I'm going to go back up and, you know, revisit this section or this section, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like five ways to, I don't know, improve your surfing stance, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, I want to know five ways to improve my surfing stance. Mm -hmm. And then in that first paragraph, you need to identify who this article is for and what they're going to get out of it. Like this isn't a time for you to like wax lyrical about the time you went to Hawaii and it was amazing and it was romantic and blah, blah, blah. No. So you're getting straight to the point. Let people know the value that they're going to get from the article. And then you're splitting it into those very clear five sections so that the people can go, well, I already know about like this and this. I'm going to skip down to like the third one. And you're facilitating the reading process rather than like, you know, forcing people to kind of slog through it because they just won't. Yeah, they just won't. I, I, I love that you're talking about user experience that mm. and this is this that what I hear when you speak is it's all about user experience. What most people think when they buy a blog and they want to grow it is how do I just get people to my website? And once they're on my site, who cares? Mm. <laughs> but yeah. you're, you're going the opposite approach of like, and it comes back to the same, if you're going to use, you know, paid marketing, you know, throw money into ads yeah. to grow your business, you're going to get a better ROI from remarketing people that already know more about you and people that are already, you know, bought from you. You're going to get a far yeah. better ROI. It's the same with... Yeah. Uh, user experience once you win somebody in with just like one really good paragraph at the top right because it's got some awesome humor in it it's got some words that only surfers know like only surfer knows the feeling and then there's a joke that goes into it yeah that's gonna that's gonna buy huge brownie points for me to want to go through those headlines and then when i'm like Mm. okay cool there's these three things that suck in my surfing stance i need to learn Mm. about those then mm. you've got the opportunity with that user experience to win them over again. And I mm-hmm. think where most bloggers drop the ball is they don't focus on the quality of the content and the user experience people have with the goal of them visiting multiple pages because multiple yeah. pages buys far more trust 
Also, yeah. if you're just selling ad space on the site, you've got far more eyeballs on the, on the, on the site yeah. uh, and on the ads and you're going to make more revenue versus how do I just rank for this keyword and then I'll just put some keywords on the page and I'll just do that at volume and use AI. Yeah, like I, I don't, just- I wouldn't even like just never do that. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've haven't written content for a blog that sort of only quote unquote only purpose is to, you know, be a blog to get yeah. found and sell ads. And, but like, I think no matter what you are trying to use the content for, if the human doesn't enjoy reading it and it's not useful to them, they are not going to continue to click through. So if you're putting, blogs on your site, you want to have an idea of like, okay, when somebody finds me because of this blog, where do I ultimately want them to end up? And mm. kind of making that journey clear. So if you're talking about like, I, I love how I'm talking about surfing. I literally know nothing about surfing, but you have a surfboard <laughs> in the background. And so I've just gotten onto that. I thought from so WA, talking about, you know about surfing. five things you need to know about surfing, right? And then within that blog, those internal links are going to kind of capture people's interest in other ways. So if it's like, you need to make sure you like prep your board properly, that one can lead through to a different blog about like wax and whatever you need, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You might have a like one of those points might be about like your own physical fitness, and then that Mm -hmm. can lead through to something that touches on that. So like, you know, which type of client are you trying to attract with this piece of content? And then where do you want them to go after? And where do you want them to go after that is, is a kind of a much better way to think about it than just like, I just want to get them here because it's not like, you know, they get there and then you can like lock them up and keep them forever. You have to make them want to stay. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's also, like I said before, the more content they consume, the more trust that they get from you, the more likely they're going to go, oh, I'll subscribe to your newsletter. If you yeah. do, guys, if you, if you do just have a, a newsletter, I would suggest having a, a better thing that's a resource that's going to be, most people don't want to read a newsletter. <laughs> no, um, newsletter is like the kryptonite word. Yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of people went to like, join my community. But it's like, again, I would rather die. Um, But if you're going to give me something that's useful to me, then I'll join. And then when I kind of, you know, this, then we go into email marketing, right? Like, what do you do with people when they're on your email list to make them want to stay and to make them associate you, whether it's a service-based business or an e-commerce business, you know, you need to have them associate you with like, this is solving a problem of mine. And so that's when we kind of get into, you know, email sequences and all that good stuff. Oh, so people listening and a regular listeners to the podcast probably don't want me to get started on email marketing because I love it so much. Okay. Uh, but I have to pick your brain on it because um, you do SEO content creation services and email and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I love email marketing and people love my emails. Um, guys, Same. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. yeah, cool. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Get on both of our email lists, guys. Uh, <laughs> people reply to my emails and isn't that the just, best feeling? Yeah, just saying, oh. thank you. It was a good email, you know, yeah. uh, thank you. It was great. So how do you do it? How, 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 what, what are your, some of your secrets, uh, in, 
in having great emails that people like I love to be I love to be in your inbox I love you coming into my inbox here yeah well the first thing you need to do is welcome them properly right and you know it depends whoever different people have different ideas of how long a welcome sequence should be but the thing you need to realize is when somebody first signs up for your list is like the most likely they will ever be to open your emails so if you are if you have a lead magnet and they're like, oh, yeah, I want that lead magnet. I'm willing to trade my email address for that lead magnet. I would like to see that. And I would like to learn more from this person. That is like peak enthusiasm when it comes to email. Um, so welcoming the person, delivering, obviously, the lead magnet. And then you can follow that up with a couple of emails that just let the person know, like, yeah, who this is for. Is this for you? Is this not for you? Because if it's not they unsubscribe and that's not a bad thing because if they're not your ideal client, they're not your ideal client. Like, and we don't cry over unsubscribes. We kind of go, okay, like that person has self-selected out and I don't have a massive email list, but like if you've got, you know, 8,000 people on your list that you're paying to send emails to and they aren't opening your emails, like that's your problem, right? You need to get rid of those. Just get (laughs) rid of those. Yeah. So they, you know, the person is kind of, they they have opted in. You've made a conversion, quote unquote, when you got them to subscribe and they want to learn more from you, but they you also then have to keep them, right? So any email that you send needs to deliver value and people do that in different ways. And like, if you're getting, thank you for this great email, that means that you are delivering value. So thinking mm-hmm. about the the market, the audience that you have, you know, with that segment of your email list, what is it that they need and helping them with that thing? Um, I also really, I'm a big fan of like the storytelling email, which is sort of the opposite of what I said about blogs, because they are two different tools. Um, So I do a bit, I mean, I send sort of silly emails that then you know, the values down at the bottom, right? We kind of get to it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that is useful. Right. And so thinking about how can I, you know, catch these people with like, a clever headline, and they, we want to know about other people, right? And I talk about a bunch of stupid shit, but people enjoy it. So they love it. get yeah, get that storytelling stuff in and then deliver the value at the end. And I try to keep mine kind of, you know, monthly, you know, this month, we're talking about this, this month, we're talking about this. And like I said, it takes time, right? It's not just a thing that we kind of can go, I'm going to set aside 10 minutes a week to send to write my email, I write one email a week. And it takes about 45 minutes. And that's 45 minutes that I'm willing to spend. Because I, I, you know, I'm getting good responses from the people who read the emails. And then the people who unsubscribe, who don't want to read my email subjected farts in a jar, that is their problem. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I've noticed. So I I, I think I do a similar thing to you. I start, I treat, I treat my, I don't like Instagram. I Mm. treat my inbox like Instagram and Mm -hmm. have a sto- I, I story into lesson and I start yep. the story in media res, like just jumped off the bridge with James Bond and mm-hmm. my parachute is not opening, you know, uh, mm-hmm. starting, starting email that way, grab attention. And also one little trick that I haven't shared before, but people are going to 
I've found people in in this space, in my space, copy my emails and how I write them now, and they also write mm. them, you know, the same way on social media now. How I how I write my stories and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I make sure that the text is quite large on my email, and mm-hmm. the there's no more than one sentence per line, and the mm-hmm. sentence should not be more than like ten words. And so it just goes, it's just so easy to read. The experience mm-hmm. is, is, is fun and great. And I use what, like I'm very jarring and stopping and starting in the story and jump yep. between different timelines. And I want to say this, guys, because it's really good for bloggers to know, if you write in this way that people absolutely love to consume, not only are they going to want to continue reading and you bought them so you bought so much respect from them and they're enjoying the experience, so they're going to be on your site longer. But this is how human beings freaking beat AI. AI cannot do this right now. Mm. And it probably won't be able to do it in the next five years, even with all the data that you, you everybody's putting into it, unfortunately. This is going to create mm. this ugly monster. Um, you just humans beat AI this way. And I, I see that on my email list. I'm sure you see that as well, Martha. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And humans do beat AI. And I, I do have, I I really resonate with what you're saying about short, sharp, sharp, sharp. Oh, my God. Short, sharp sentences. Um, and I do also think, yes. And I think also it's okay to pop in like a bit of a longer sentence occasionally and maybe a, you know, maybe a two sentence paragraph because they can be a little bit of a bomb for the brain. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we're, I mean, I personally find it, I don't know. I don't love it when it's like sentence, 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 and, and there's no kind of rest. Like, you know, in a TV show when there's like comic relief, I feel like you can also have sort of like verbiage relief when you have something a little bit longer that that allows the person to settle into that idea a little bit. That's just my opinion. Um, But yeah, like that, that short and sharp way of writing, you know, it emulates the way that we talk when we're kind of excited. and, And that's what people's that's what people are kind of used to. And that's how people like to read online. But I do think there is a place for, you know, something a little bit meatier occasionally. I'm not mm. saying blocks of text, never, never, never. But just you know, <laughs> when you do it intentionally, it can work really well. Just don't replicate the Bible in your emails and have this block that you could mm-hmm. literally build a building with just from those words because they're so mm-hmm. condensed. Don't together. replicate <laughs> the Bible in anything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go into religion here, uh, okay. but I'm with, I'm with you. So SEO, <clears throat> good copywriting, it's wi- a winning formula because it it gains more trust, more respect. People are going to enjoy the experience. The more they enjoy the experience, the more trust they have, the more likely they're going to want to opt in and move to our awesome email list and more likely to purchase products. Now, I want to ask you about results. Do you have an example? And you can share a result from an e-commerce brand or any any business, um, but do you have some you know, case study or an example of a business that you, started, you guys started working with that like, hey, we just 
can you just help us with some content creation um, mm. and, and what that looked like and what the results were? Um, I mean, you're, you're springing this question on a woman with ADHD. So I do not, <laughs> cannot answer that question at this time. <laughs> but Sorry, the, I, did not, I did not, I did not send you a list of questions either. Um, that's okay. So that's okay. I think like I, I, I struggle sort of with, you know, this has resulted in conversions and like realistically, if I am writing website copy from start to finish for your new website and it's SEO optimized and I've worked with the keyword researcher to create a content creation strategy, the, I mean, initially when the web, the new website is released, your SEO is actually going to dip, right? Because, you know, unless Mm -hmm. you, if you, if you, pull down everything that's there and recreate it like that's you know it's not going to be like stratospheric right so this stuff takes time yeah Yeah, this stuff takes time and then I think the the idea of like you know the copy is the only thing that made this website successful is like not necessarily kind of a really true assessment of all the things that a website does right so the copy the images if i am working with a designer like i put in sort of ux recommendations and there i mean i have no control often of sort of how it ends up at the end right so but i think we can like i've definitely worked with heaps of companies that were sort of like, we're kind of either stagnating, you know, our growth is kind of stuck here and we're not reaching the right audiences. We're not kind of getting the people through the user journey. Um, And, you know, I've seen huge improvements in that, huge improvements in terms of like email opens and click-throughs. But like, I'm just not the kind of gal who's going to be like, I can 10x your income. Like I just, do not, you know, it's not something that like I would ever claim that like it's just me. Um, and also, yeah, like I, I always am referring to, you know, well, if you need Facebook and Instagram ads or whatever, you need to go to this person. And if you need this, you need to go to this person. So it's like a real, it's a real team effort. But mm. like, yeah, the the power of having good, solid, personality driven content that actually resonates with your user like cannot be overstated and i'm i'm sorry for not having like a number for you but that's just not no, the that's kind fine. of person i am <laughs> yeah no that's cool i'm i'm glad that you're just straight up and honest about it that's what people mm. love about this pod so one thing that just really caught my attention is you mentioned getting and i'm sure people are going to want to hear this and and share what you're willing to and open to sharing. Sure. Um, you said he's getting keywords and then getting doing some copy research and then you know putting a content strategy sort of plan together. What mm-hmm. are some of the components you get? Like I know keyword research and then some research for the copy. But what are some of the other things that might go into building out a content strategy uh, for a news? So a, yeah, uh, the key. Research. I generally. Oh, sorry. I cut you off. Yeah, basically just for a revamp of a few pages or sites or blogs or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Often, like I'm working with an organization now and they have a lot of content on the website, like to the point that it's like, 
uh, whoa, like overwhelming. And so um, I was working with a strategist friend of mine um, and kind of helping that organization to work out like who is your, they want to target corporates. Who are these corporates? So the, you know, the strategist worked with them to come up with personas and make sure that we're talking to all the right people. Um, we did a content audit where we kind of went like, what is the content that's on here? There were like 300 blogs or something. Um, we found out that all of the, it was, it's like a, it's a scientific organization and a lot of the blog content was like, because you, you can put it through a thing that tells you like what grade level it is. And I like to do that to kind of demonstrate to people that, you know, you're not talking to the right people because mm -hmm. the scientists that understand this and find this interesting are not the people that are going to give you money, right? So identifying like, oh, wow, you know, 95% of the content on this site is pitched at like a year 11 level reader. And it's just not going to be read by the people that you want to read it. It's not helpful to the corporates who you say are your main clients, right? So we've kind of gone, I was like, sorry, but there's, you know, there are, there were something like 150 pages on this site that had not been clicked on once in the past three months. So you Whoa. can do an audit where you go, what is the content that's on here? Like, have we kind of categorized it? Is it in pillars or are we just chucking stuff up? Hmm. Um, and we've kind of realized, you know, and I, I mean, I knew this when we started, but there's a lot of stuff that just needs to go. And hmm. that kind of can make um, a person, a business owner feel bad because they've put like all, you know, their time and money and da 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 into it. And it's like, well, you know, maybe you can repurpose that for some other reason. But like, if the reason that you have this website is because you need to engage these corporate clients, you need to speak to these corporate clients, right? So that's kind of the first thing. Um, and then we look at with the keyword researcher that I work with, sort of, like I said before, what are the corporates that are searching for this type of service? What, what terms are they using? Who's the competition? Where do we have potential to rank? Which keywords do we have potential to rank for? And she creates a list of keywords and then sort of secondary keywords um, for the pages of the website that we have kind of worked out in that when we've mapped out the UX journey. She also, you know, you can also choose to have keywords, kind of like blog keywords. So if you work with somebody to work out, like, these are my content pillars, the, a keyword researcher can help you to kind of go, you know, in this pillar, I am looking to kind of rank for this, these kind of terms, right? And yeah. just yeah. learn kind of where to put them within a blog. So if you are a, here we go with the surfing analogy again, if you are an org company that sells surfboards, your content pillars are going to be the things that are helpful to surfers, right? Yeah. So you might have a content pillar that's like, this is for people who are just getting started, this is for people who love to travel all around the world and surf. This is, I don't know, troubleshooting. I don't know. Um, and then you might have another one where you're giving people um, either like inspiration, you know, this is where I went on my trip and it was great. Or like, this is the thing that I did to fix this problem with my stance, right? So you kind of identify what those content pillars are and people call them buckets and you just fill those buckets with useful content that's going to be helpful for 
the different audiences that you have. And again, like you might have those like beginners who don't know their, I don't know. I wanted to say something like don't know their ass from their elbow, like, but with a surfing thing, but I don't know enough about surfing to do that. So they don't know their whatever from their whatever. And you're going to like teach them the basics. Like this is how you choose a surfboard. This is how you know when it's safe to surf. This is how you take care of a surfboard. This is how you travel with a surfboard, all that kind of stuff. And then you'll have your other market who is maybe like, you know, the person who's been surfing for 10 years already and thinks they know everything. And, you know, what's useful to them is going to be very different from what's useful Mm. to these people. Mm. So kind of, I mean, I always tell people like, you know, as business owners, we know so much about our topic. So even Mm. just sitting down, like once you've identified those, say you're doing four pillars or three pillars or five, and just making a list of like, what are all the things I know about this thing that could be useful to my ideal client? And then when it comes time to create some content, you have a framework and you aren't like, oh, I have to choose from like every topic in the world. Right. You're like, no, today I want to write a blog about like, you know, these beginners. And then I already have 12 ideas. So now I can start with my research. But, you know, you've already you already know all about this person that you're writing to and what they need and how you can help and and all that sort of stuff. I really like it. The way the uh, the idea that I like around the pillars and the strategy is sitting down and understanding how somebody who's just getting into the space um, where they're going to be and then map out each key milestone that they would achieve and that could be three to five things uh, Mm. throughout their journey of being in that space. For example, I worked with one of my clients on a dog site uh, around, all right, they've just got a puppy. What the hell do they do when the puppy's at puppy stage? Yeah, Feeding training toilet training stuff like that and then get to the next stage like how do you keep them healthy how often should you walk them once they're at certain age and then yeah all the different stages of like the milestones that a dog would achieve you Mm. then you have something for everybody that comes to the site and they can go backwards or they can go forwards and you can Mm. keep them on the site and then in each of those pillars that you're calling them uh you can have different opt-ins for the email list with different products and different services, especially for an e-commerce business, right? Yeah, yeah. So just having an understanding of, you know, where the person's going to be at and what they need from you. And, you know, your job is to solve a problem. People Mm. don't care about anything except having their own problem solved. (laughs) And it sounds, (laughs) you know, whatever, but it's true. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not reading someone's blog to support that person necessarily because I like them. I'm reading it because I'm like, oh, I've got like red backs in my roof what do i do (laughs) (laughs) excuse me that's great that's so aussie (laughs) (laughs) guys red backs yes correct australia is littered with creepy crawlies and wildlife (laughs) oh my god okay last year we've moved since then to this amazing closet but last year i went outside and i looked up in the in the eaves and there was a fat mother redback with three egg sacs sitting there like queen shit. And I was like, whoa, I'm Canadian, right? I was like, oh, what's going on? So then apparently you have to call the spider guy whose name is not Spider-Man, impossibly. (laughs) And he came and sprayed. And then over the next couple of days, they all just descended 
on the outside of the house because they were dying. Yeah. And it was, I was like, is this the end times? Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Why are it's we all so just comfortable dangerous. with this? <laughs> yeah. We used to have a lot of red backs when I was young and somebody in our street got bitten and he nearly lost his whole arm, like <gasps> just from a spot, from a spider bite. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those, those red backs are bad, but the Sydney funnel webs are way worse. Like they, yeah. people, people die from those spiders. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's all it's all very adventurous down here in the Great Southern. <laughs> it is, it is. Well, Martha, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Where can we send people to check out? You know, some of your content creation services and, and what you guys are doing. Um, so my website is wordcandy.com.au. Um, I offer SEO website copy and content creation services. I work in hyper-focus weeks. So the reason why my clients love that is because, you know, a copywriting project can take six, eight, 10 weeks. Um, but this way we kind of start the project on a Tuesday and we end the project the following Tuesday. And it's, uh, it's a good way to kind of get um started with your copy you know as quickly as you can so and i'm also on instagram at wordcandycoms and also on linkedin if you just look up martha barnard ray awesome guys check that out there'll be links to that in the show notes really appreciate you coming on everybody that's listening thank you for listening and i I just realized like we're up to like 230 something episodes. And I think the last time I actually asked people to subscribe was like 130 episodes ago. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, I don't really ask you guys to subscribe, but if you got value from this, please subscribe. Uh, there's more awesomeness coming. So yeah, thanks. For well, and to celebrate your 230th episode, people could also listen to my podcast, which is yes. called the one that works for you. And I will ask you to subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So that's the one that works for you. The one that works for you. And thank you so much for having me, Jared. This has been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. Thanks. Take care.